Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. Hey everybody, Pastor Nathan here from City Alliance Church. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us on YouTube for part three of our series, The Red Letter Challenge. We've been going through the book, The Red Letter Challenge by Pastor Zach Zender, and we are reading, understanding, and obeying the words of Jesus. Hey, there's still plenty of time for you to join us. You can go on Amazon and pick up a book. I also want to give you a heads up. If you are watching online, we will be ending our time with communion. So go ahead and grab some elements, grab some grape juice and crackers or Gatorade and goldfish, whatever whatever you have on hand. But we are gonna be breaking bread together. Uh, in our last episode, we talked about being with God. You know, the Christianity, it, it's not so much about doing for God so that God will like us more or approve us more, but God actually died for us and he's already given us his approval. And so he wants you and I, when we have put our faith in him, to be in a relationship with him. And, and so the way we do that is by praying and worshiping and fasting and seeking him in solitude. It's an opportunity for us to connect with the creator of our universe. Today we're gonna to spend time talking about a topic that I think can be really challenging for a lot of you that are watching online right now. In fact, it could be something that's really difficult, maybe, maybe even uncomfortable. But I really do believe that there is blessing on the other side of challenge, amen? Type amen if you are with me in the chat. That there is breakthrough when we do hard and even difficult things that God may be calling you to do. So today, we're going to be talking about a topic called forgiveness. At some point, you are going to experience someone hurting you, someone letting you down, betraying you, disappointing you. And if you haven't already, you're going to experience bitterness, resentment, you're going to struggle putting trust in people. You're going to feel cynicism and you're going to, you know, roll your eyes every time someone talks about forgiveness or redemption. And the truth is that none of us is going to leave life without some kind of wounding, without some kind of pain. And I know some of you are already thinking, this sounds like it's going to be a real upper of a message, Pastor Nathan. Thanks. <laughs> well, well, listen, the, the truth of the matter is many of you watching, you have wounds that are like earthquakes. Like you literally can look at some of your wounds and they are literally like how you measure time. There was a time before the divorce and after the divorce. A time before the affair, a time after the affair. Before you experienced the abuse, but then after you experienced the abuse. Before you lost your job, and then after you lost your job. And then, in the wake of all of those moments, there's all that pain, all that anger, all that hurt, and it revisits you. Like it was something you see or smell or touch triggers those thoughts, those memories that keep coming back. And one of the lies that we tell ourselves in our culture and even in the church is this, well, you know, time. Time will heal all wounds. But here's the reality. Without forgiveness, time alone does not heal wounds. Time alone leaves wounds to fester. I remember meeting with a couple, they were in their 50s, and they got married really, really young, like I think in their teens. Um, and briefly in the marriage, he left his wife so that he could go and sow his wild oats. He left for an, a period of time. But then he came back, he, he, he asked for forgiveness, and so for 40 years they had been married, but he said, Nathan, when we fight, 
She always brings back that time period. She always brings that up. But I have, I have been faithful. I have been trustworthy. But she's still so angry and so resentful. But yet what happened then still impacts and haunts our marriage today. For him, time didn't heal the wounds. Even forgiveness, it seemed there was a struggle there. Or maybe this has happened to you. You know, you started throwing around an idea with a coworker about a new initiative at work, something you wanted to do, something you wanted to start and you get really excited about it. You write up a proposal, but before you, you get that proposal to your boss, your coworker has already pitched it. He gets credit for the idea. He gets promotion. And you try to pass it off as it's not a big deal. I just care about moving the mission forward. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't need the credit. But you're still angry on the inside. You kind of shove it down. You feel the resentment every time you see that person walking around or sitting in their new office. You just get angry. And when that person's not around, you talk behind their back. You avoid them. They are dead to you because of what they've done. Or maybe you have a best friend and you, know, you, you, you and your best friend, you've been praying for a long time that she would find a guy that would be you know, God's will for her life and finally they're dating and you're like yes lord and you're you're rejoicing but then you start noticing some unhealthy patterns he's a little controlling he speaks down to her he kind of seems like he's isolating her from the rest of her friends and so you this is your best friend so you're like well let me tell her i'll just tell her the honest truth and you have a conversation and then all of a sudden she flips she screams, she gets angry, she brings up all of your vulnerabilities and all your faults because she knows all those things and then she ends the friendship. And you are so hurt because you see on Instagram, she's moved on. She's getting engaged, she's getting married, she's having a kid. And as she's moving on, you start to hear from other friends that things aren't looking too good, that they're struggling and the things that you had brought up to your friend are actually coming to pass. And Instead of feeling compassion, you actually feel kind of happy because you're like, <laughs> I told them so. But that unforgiveness, that offense, that grudge, it's going to leak out and end up hurting other people in your life. It's going to make you more bitter. It's going to erode your ability to trust others. And it's going to leave greater and greater resentment. And is that the kind of life that we want to live? That's why we need to go back to those red letters of Jesus. And we're going to do that in a moment, but right now, as you're watching this, I want you to think about someone. Maybe someone's already come to mind that you need to forgive. Maybe it's something dumb, like maybe someone didn't call you back and you're still kind of feeling sore about it. Or maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a teacher of one of your kids. Someone who, when you think about them, you just get angry. You get mad. You just feel so hurt or misunderstood. They trigger you. Maybe it's someone, that's the person that you actually need to forgive. Keep them in mind as we go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, you probably, if you are, you know, no church stuff, it's kind of like Jesus' teaching on how do you manage conflict. And so one of his disciples, Peter, is trying to be an overachiever. He's like, yo, Jesus, like, I, I, I can forgive. Like, you want me to forgive someone like seven times? Like, I'm like, Peter, are you an accountant or something? Like, seven times? What? I think he's trying to be like generous. He's like, I'm an overachiever. I'm going to forgive someone seven times. But Jesus drops his bomb. He's like, nah, bro, try 70 times seven. And, and that's like 490 times. Now, if you're keeping track and you're, and you're like, honey, you have offended me for the 491st time. Like, the forgiveness is done. Like, I'm, I'm moving out. Like, that is not what Jesus is getting at. Jesus is trying to get Peter to understand that as followers of Jesus, we always extend forgiveness. And, and so Jesus, to kind of really make this come home, tells this story. And maybe you've heard this story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king 
who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Whoa, that's heavy. But here's what's interesting. This story, the one that he's telling, it could literally be ripped from a first century headline because this was happening all throughout the first century. What would happen is the king would send out folks to go collect taxes on farmers and often the taxes were steep and so that people couldn't pay them back and so that the way they would pay them back was they would actually put themselves in um, in service. It would be called indentured servitude, but really it was slavery because there was no way they could ever work hard enough or long enough to pay back the debt. So this is kind of the situation that this servant finds himself in. So he goes on and says this, the servant fell on his feet before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. So we already see that this is a different kind of king, different kind of master. He has compassion and that compassion moves him to action because you see 10,000 talents is the equivalent of $100 million. Like there is no way this dude was ever paying any of this back. He was meant to be an indentured servant forever. But instead, the master said, you know what? I hear your story. Debt's canceled. I'm going to take care of it. Now, how would you feel if that was you? You'd be like, yes! Like, thank you for giving me another chance. Like, I'm going to manage my money better. I'm going to find a better, uh, you know, better business to be a part of. Something that, you know, that's not like cryptocurrency going up and down. Something more reliable, right? But look what happens. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. So check this out. This guy, maybe he's driving back home and he stops at Dunkin' Donuts because mm, who doesn't want the celebration Dunkin' Donuts, right? So he goes to Dunkin' Donuts. He orders a French vanilla coffee, cream and sugar, medium, because he doesn't want to get too much. And as he's about to walk out, he sees a guy in line. He goes, wait a minute. That guy borrowed a buck fifty from me so that he could get a donut last time I was here. He goes and says, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. <laughs> like, what's going on here? This is literally like word for word what he told the king. Like, wh where's the disconnect here? And instead of extending that same kindness and love and mercy, he throws him in jail? And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that happened. So this scene is taking place at Dunkin' Donuts and they're yelling and screaming and he's choking him out. And so what do the other servants do? They whip out their phones and they videotape the whole thing. And they upload it on Reddit and they upload it on Twitter and they upload it on Instagram. It becomes a TikTok dance and someone forwards it to the master. Well, then the master called the servant in. Hey, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In other words, bro, you never would have been able to pay me back. I could have owned you and your family till the day you died. But I saw the pain you were in. I saw the anguish you were in. And so I let you off the hook. But not anymore. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. 
Translation, he's not paying any of that back. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother. From where? The heart. Now, I know some of you are like, yeah, Nathan, I get it. God forgave me, so I should forgive. Right. But listen, there, this, there's something more radical here. Because we cannot forgive on our own power and on our own strength. I want you to capture this. Forgiveness is an act of grace, not grit. I think when I say grit, many of you know what that means. It means like, I am going to grind it out. I'm going to get this done. No matter how hard or how long or how much I have to hustle, I'm going to make it happen. And I think so many Christians approach forgiveness with determination. Like, ooh, my in-laws are critical of my parenting. I'm going to forgive them. You know, with, with clenched teeth, I'm going to forgive. Or, you know, my friends hung out and I saw them on Instagram. And I'm really, really mad, but I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. For, for those of us that are Jesus followers, I've got to remind you, forgiveness is not about determination, but cooperation. We cooperate with what God is already doing. You know, when the master calls out this wicked servant, he asks him, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? Basically, he's saying this, I gave you this grace and this mercy so that you could give it to others. Our basis for forgiveness is because of what God has forgiven us. If you're a follower of Jesus, we should be striving to excel and grow in our ability to forgive because of the grace that was extended to you and me. Because of our sins, sins and the things that we said, the things that we didn't say, the things that we had done or we haven't done, we can never repay our debt to God that we owed him. So instead, Jesus paid the debt. He died the death that I was supposed to die so I could be set free. He died so I could be forgiven. And when we receive that grace so that we can, we, we receive it so we can give it away which is why heartfelt forgiveness is not optional. You see, we have been objects of God's grace and forgiveness. Because Jesus died to give us this gift, we are commanded to obey Jesus by giving that same gift to others. Remember, obedience equals depth. If you want to go deeper, you have to obey, which means you have to forgive. And this is one of the challenges that Jesus gives to us. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Wait a minute, Jesus. Like, really? Like, from the heart? Like, what if my friend lets me down? What if they disappoint me and talk about me behind my back and disrespect me and try to hurt me? Forgive them. Wait a minute, Jesus. Like, he stole my client. This is going to impact my job, my income. Like, how am I going to take care of my family? How do, what do I do with them? You, you forgive them. Jesus, they're a lying narcissist. They are lying to family members and friends and people are, are, are having false ideas about me. It's causing hurt and confusion. I need to go after them. No, you need to forgive them. This is really, really hard. Which is why we need to remember that this is a work of grace. You cannot do this. True, heartfelt forgiveness on your own or in your own power and your own ability. But there's also a lot of things in our culture that I think make me that make forgiveness really, really hard. Because there's a lot of things that call themselves forgiveness that really isn't. It's what I call the myths about forgiveness. So if you're taking notes, I want to go through them real quick. The myth, the first myth about forgiveness is this. Forgiveness must always lead to reconciliation. Uh, forgiveness is giving up your right, your desire for retaliation, revenge. Forgiveness does not mean that the person who wronged you, you'll always be reconciled with them. Because forgiveness is different from trust. 
And I think Christians, we get ourselves in trouble because we get these things mixed up. You need to know that forgiveness and trust are two different things. Forgiveness is instant. It's a decision you make. And again, it's a work of grace. But trust is earned and it takes time to build back. Forgiveness is a decision. But reconciliation is a process of seeing people's actions. Please don't get these two things confused. And I think many Christians think that, okay, if I forgive that person, then I need to let that person back in my life so they can walk all over me. Let me explain it this way. Imagine if a son or a daughter, or maybe there's a good friend of yours, and they're an alcoholic. They're hard drinking, they're hard partying, and they borrow your car, they take it for a joyride, and they completely total it in an accident, they get a DUI. Next day they come to you and say, hey, I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? So what do you do there? Should you forgive them? Yeah, because Jesus commanded us to. Now we're called to forgive, which is instant. It's unconditional. It's to protect you from bitterness. But then, what if they said this? Oh man, thank you so much for forgiving me. Uh, can, I, can I borrow the car to go to a party next week? Well, I hope that the answer is no. <laughs> That's a whole different matter. Because if you've wrecked my car because of your abuse with alcohol, it's going to take time for me to trust you again. I need to see you seeking sobriety day by day, week by week, and even month by month before I even think about letting you use my car again. You see, forgiveness is offered by grace. Trust, though, is earned through action over time. Romans reminds us about this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. When you forgive, you're saying, I give up on getting even, but you still embrace boundaries with people especially when there's abuse or betrayal involved. You see, forgiveness can keep people together, but trust is earned or it's re-earned through action. Uh, one of the things I like to say is that trust is earned inches at a time, but then it's lost yard by yard. That's the first myth. The second myth is that forgiveness will feel good and erase pain and loss. Guys, honest talk, forgiveness is like being crucified. It, it will be painful because you're absorbing your need and want for retaliation. You're taking in that pain yourself. And you may still feel that pain for months, maybe even years. You scroll through Instagram and you see former friends. They're having a great time. And they seem like they moved on. And you still have the knife sticking in your back from what they said and did. You, see, you hear someone's name mentioned, all of a sudden you're triggered and you feel angry and anxious. Or you have the kids for the weekend, they start talking about their mom's new boyfriend and you're a little bit like, uh, you know, you're, you get triggered again. What do you do with that? And you're doing everything you can to forgive, to move on, but your tender heart's cut open again. I want you to remember this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Your heavenly father is with you. He's collecting all of your tears in his hands. They are precious to him. He is with you in this. Your part is to forgive. God's part is to heal you, to cleanse you, to help you move forward. You may need prayer. You may need a journal. You may need to read and memorize the truths of God's word. You might even need therapy. Have a season with a counselor. I know that's always a gift when, when, I've, when I ever go see a counselor. And listen, it's okay not to be okay. So when you're choosing to forgive, maybe you're choosing to forgive something that seems unforgivable, which may take time, which brings us to third, I think one of the most difficult myths, which is this myth number three, you have to forgive and forget. How many of you honestly have heard this 
all the time. Like you gotta forgive and forget. Like this is in church culture all the time. You gotta forgive, you gotta forget, you gotta move on. But here's the truth. This is not in the Bible. The Bible does not say forgive and forget. In Isaiah, the prophet who is God's mouthpiece says, I am he, meaning about God, who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. So first thing to keep in mind is this is metaphorical language because God is all-knowing. That's one of his attributes. But what this verse says is that he chooses not to hold your sins against you. Nowhere does scripture command you to forgive and forget. Because the truth is you might need to remember, especially if there's abuse or manipulation involved. You might need to remember so you can set some strong boundaries in those relationships to protect protect yourself from getting hurt, to protect loved ones around you. So with all this, how do we really forgive from the heart? How do we forgive in a way that's authentic, that's real, that's honest, that's going to help us move forward with our lives? Well, it starts with this perspective. I want you to keep in mind this. Forgiveness is a decision and a journey. I said this before, forgiveness is a decisive decision you make. It's based on grace. Trust takes time. But I want to expand on this because I think we often forget that forgiveness is a journey. Even when we make the decision to start on that path, it's not linear. You're going to have good days. You're like, yes, I think I'm moving forward. And then you're going to have bad days where it feels like everything's falling apart. You know, a friend of mine, Uh, who was going through a divorce because her spouse was unfaithful, was posting all this stuff on Facebook about how great things are, how he's an awesome co-parent, and what a great, respectful man he was. And then she confided in me and said, you know what, Nathan, I'm really struggling with anger and pain because he was unfaithful. He He betrayed me over and over again. Now he's dating again. He's moving on. He's pretending everything's okay. But I'm not okay. You know, on this journey you'll experience triggers. You'll regress. Remember, this isn't something you do in your own power. God is with you on the journey. And you may still be grieving from hurt and pain and loss, even if it happened decades ago. But on that journey, there are mile markers. You got to pay attention to these mile markers so that you know that you are actually making progress in this. In their book, Don't Forgive Too Soon, the authors connect forgiveness with the five stages of grief. I found this really interesting. Uh, The first stage is denial. Maybe someone said something or did something to hurt you and whether out of pride or maybe you just didn't want to deal with it, you're like, "Ah, I'm I'm okay, I'm okay, it's fine. I just shake it off, shake it off, right? You just shake it off and move on. Uh, The second stage is anger. When you finally are able to be confronted by the hurt, you get angry. You blame them. You try to find ways to hurt them, to get back at them, which then leads to bargaining. You're like, well, you know what? If they apologize, if they, if they give me a call and said, hey, you want to get coffee, well, then I'll forgive them. Then I'll, then I'll bring, it, bring it up. You set up conditions for people before you forgive them. Then it's depression. You get to this place where you're like, oh, it, was, it was my fault. I'm hurt because I deserve it. I should have done X, Y, and Z better. But hopefully, you find yourself getting to the final stage, which is acceptance. You know? What happened kind of sucked. I'm still not fully over it, but I am going to grow through this. And God is healing me in this. Forgiveness is a decision and a journey. The first step is you have to decide. And that might be the hardest part is like, I'm going to decide to forgive. But eventually, it will lead to healing. Your part is to make that brave and difficult decision. And God will bring beauty out of that pain, out of those ashes. I remember a friend of mine was a 
telling me about a situation at her job. One of her coworkers had confided to her uh, that she was having an affair. And my friend was encouraging her coworker, you know, maybe you need to see a counselor. Like you need to kind of cut off this relationship on the side and try to make things work uh, with her husband. And as she's saying this, you know, I was a pretty young pastor at the time, you know, basically meaning that I had all the answers. <laughs> and so I just said to her, man, that woman is so wicked. Like, I can't believe she would put her husband and kids through that. And I just kind of went off. But eventually my friend said this. She said, you know, you know, Nathan, this woman is in a lot of pain. Can you imagine how much pain, emotional pain and trauma you have to be in to, to lie to your spouse, to lie to your friends, to lie to your kids, to, to live out this fantasy of a great relationship? I remember thinking, wow. The woman I talked with, I knew, our, I knew her story. She'd experienced brokenness and betrayal in her life and she'd learned to forgive and, and she was faithful and she was a veteran on this journey. And she was able to see in people and had this deep sense of compassion for their brokenness. See, that's the final destination on the journey of forgiveness. One of the books I read in preparation for this message is by Lisa Turkhurst. It's called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Highly recommend it. I think if you're struggling with forgiveness, you need to pick up that book. But Lisa recounts recovering from her husband's, her husband's infidelity and the long, hard, and painful road of healing that she's on. And she says, honestly, she's like, you know, I still cry. I still remember the pain and the betrayal. But she writes these words. She says, freedom from unforgiveness doesn't mean instant healing for all the emotions involved. But it does mean those emotions will turn into eventual compassion rather than bitterness. I don't know where you are on your forgiveness journey. Maybe today you've just decided that you're going to forgive the person who hurt you. Maybe you still feel overwhelmed with the pain, the bitterness, the resentment, and the cynicism that you're not really sure what to do. If you follow Jesus and you get on this journey, you will be transformed. It's not linear. You're going to have starts and stops, ups and downs. But if you follow Jesus, you will become better, not bitter. Because listen, God will not waste your pain. I want to address something too. I, I know that some of you, maybe you don't have a problem forgiving being other people, but maybe you have a problem forgiving yourself. Maybe you're blaming yourself for the mistakes that you made, the pain that it's caused you and other people. And maybe those people have forgiven you, but you're still stuck in that place of not forgiving yourself. I want to tell you something. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to know that He has forgiven you of all of your sins, past, present, and future. There is nothing that you can do that is so bad that God would reject you for because He has already accepted you. He sees you through the blood of His Son. Now, there may be consequences for your sin. You may have to repent, make reparations, but if Christ has forgiven you, by His grace, you can forgive yourself. If you're this person saying, I can't forgive myself, what I've done is so bad, who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are to withhold forgiveness when Christ has already forgiven you? God wants you to forgive yourself because He's already forgiven you. So let yourself go 
And it's going to be something that can only be done as an act of grace. Remember earlier I asked you to think about someone, or maybe God's brought someone to mind, someone to forgive. No, no matter where you are in that journey, I want to help you take that next step. If uh, you have a writing instrument around you, a pen, a pencil, a, pen, a, you know, a crayon, whatever you have, I want you to grab it and a piece of paper, and I want you to write down that person's name. And writing that with that person's name is going to be your way of saying, I'm going to forgive that person. Go ahead and write that person's name down, and we're going to celebrate communion together. Communion, also called the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, is a time where we remember what Jesus has done for us. We just talked about forgiveness. Maybe there's someone that you are in the process of forgiving. Maybe it's someone you forgave, but some stuff keeps coming up. Or maybe it's someone that you're finally saying, you know what, I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to forgive myself. And so communion is when we remember why we forgive. On the night of Jesus' arrest, uh, he was having a dinner party with his disciples and he took the bread and he said this is my body broken for you and every time you eat of it remember that my broken body was broken for your sins so that you would have relationship with God so your sins would not separate you from your creator so that you could be who I made you to be and then he put the bread down and he picked up the cup and he said this is my cup the new covenant represents my blood, my blood shed for you. And so Jesus' body was fractured and broken so we could be whole and healed. I want to pray for you. And if there's any sin that you need to confess to God, if there's anything that you need to release to him, I want to let you do that. And then we're going to partake in the elements together. Holy Spirit, I believe that right now someone's watching this and they're engaging in communion. So, Lord, my prayer is that you'd meet them. That they would remember that the grace they were given to forgive is now extended out to the people in their lives that they need to forgive. Lord, forgiveness is simple, but it's not easy. So, Father, I pray that you would remember that it is your grace that saves us, and it's your grace that enables and empowers us to give forgiveness to others. So, as we partake in communion, if there's any sin we need to confess to you, if there's anything we need to release, help us do that now. Let's partake of the elements together. Listen guys, God bless. We'll see you for the next episode during our Red Letter Challenge. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.